This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Two nights ago, we watched the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Washington Capitals in overtime, sorry, his shootout. Carolina should have scored five goals, but it didn't matter. They ultimately got two points out of it anyway, and Monday night anyway, they were at the top of the Metropolitan Division because the Rangers and Devils have each played since. Those two teams are now in front of Carolina. They have 14 points apiece. Carolina's on 13, albeit with at least one, in the case of the Rangers, two games in hand. Uh, And I've been focusing on the 25th anniversary of the Carolina Hurricanes, as has Scott Burnside, a contributor to Hurricanes.com, but also Burnside on hockey, and he joins us. And if you're watching on WRAL Sports Plus, there he is, Scott Burnside on Twitter at Overtime Scott B. Thank you very much for your time. I want to spend a little bit on, you you wrote about uh, the 25th anniversary of the Hurricanes, um, and I know it started out weird. They almost killed the mascot. I did an entire podcast on the fact that they almost killed the mascot. Uh, but it's they've it's been sporadic, but they've packed a lot of good into 25 years. No? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Adam. It's always a pleasure to catch up. And, uh, you know, it, and when you've been around a long time, you know, I remember going to Greensboro when I was, boy, that's a long time ago. I was at the <laughs> National Post in Toronto and I covered some of the first uh, playoff series against Boston uh, that, at the end of that second season in Greensboro. Um, and it does seem crazy to think now what the team went through when they first moved to North Carolina from yeah. Hartford, right? <laughs> I mean, they move in a matter of months. I talked to Jim Rutherford for this piece, and he and I have talked about it over the years, but you know, really the unthinkable, moving a professional franchise from an established location as they were in Hartford. And and really when they announced they were leaving, they didn't even have a spot to go, nope. right? I mean, they weren't sure where they were headed. And then to decide on North Carolina – uh, but understanding that there wasn't going to be a facility, an NHL-worthy facility in Raleigh for two years, um, and, and to make the decision to go to Greensboro, I, I came across, and again, talks about the ta- passage of time, but I came across an interview I did with Peter Carmanos just before the start of the 06 final when I was with ESPN. Mm-hmm. And during that conversation, we were talking about the first couple of years and, and really the struggles um, you know, for everyone involved with the team and the way it unfolded. And and Peter said, well, you know, in hindsight, it probably wasn't a great idea to go to Greensboro, right? <laughs> it was just hard for everyone. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I was talking to Kevin Deneen for the story. And, and of course, you know, we're, you know, in some ways the league has gone in a giant circle. Arizona Coyotes play their first home games in a much smaller compact temporary yeah. building at uh, ASU uh, in Tempe. And there was discussion about doing something similar, not on campus, but uh, if I understand it correctly, out by the fairgrounds. Yeah. In Raleigh, uh, officials felt it would the optics would be too ugly, and so they ended up in Greensboro. So it is, it's kind of crazy how it's all unfolded. If you, had, if you have ever seen Dorton Arena, which is where they were going, would have played, uh, you couldn't have played. You could not have. I mean, they have like uh, 
you know, rodeos in there. Although we have rodeos in these buildings, but, you know, they're rodeos in, like, glitzy arenas. This is an arena that you basically, oh, yeah, they could have definitely have a rodeo uh, in here. Scott Burnside, Burnside on hockey. I want to get to that in a second, but uh, what have you seen through nine, with nine games, eight, nine games of the Hurricanes? Uh, what have you seen from them so far this year? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Having spent some time around the team during training camp and, uh, and, and talking to, um, you know, a number of players who's, you know, I think it's fair to say there were four or five players on this team um, for whom this season looms large. And I think you have to start right at the very top. Uh, Martin Netchass, uh, he and I sat down and chatted and, and he was, he, you know, he's a very candid young man and yeah. um, a lot of discussion about what his future might hold with the team after last season. It wasn't a great year for him, has never really found attraction as a, as a high-end draft pick. Um, that that he wanted or that the team wanted, I think, which is fair to say. And there was some discussion, you know, do you trade him? Do you, you know, what do you do? Um, but he signed a, a new deal. He talked about his commitment to be better and to, to live up to those expectations. And, you know, 13 points through nine games and, and to go sort of hand in glove uh, with that, in, in my mind at least, is, you know, the early play of Andre Svechnikov, eight goals in nine games, um, those two players have been dynamite together and, and really have been the engine driving the offense. I mean, there are some players that, you know, it's been a bit of a slow start for Seth Jarvis and Tavo Teravainen. And, um, you know, I think we've seen Brent Burns turn a corner over the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, when you look at this season and the expectations, which are as high as I think they've ever been for this team, yeah. um, that first long road trip, and you see the success that they had on the road. They're four one and one uh, away from PNC. Uh, I think that's the that's the important part, right? That, that things are going to come together. Rod Brindamore has a lot of options uh, in terms of this lineup. He's you know they move Ethan Bear to Vancouver, which I I think is I think that was important because um, Ethan Bear is, is a popular player. He's a great kid and yep. has a great story. And, and I'm sure it was it wasn't comfortable for anyone involved. You know, the fact that he wasn't able to get in the lineup and uh, the fact that he'd been, you know, sort of lapped on the depth chart, if you will, by Jalen Chatfield and Dylan Coughlin. So um, I I think, you know, this is a pretty good way to start. You mentioned the standings, Adam. I was just looking at points percentage in the Eastern Conference right now. Carolina is second behind Red Hot Boston. Uh, in terms of of win percentage, which uh, is a pretty good indicator just a month in. So I I would think you'd have to be pretty pleased, even though there are two or three players that really haven't clicked into gear yet offensively. I mean, you you said them. I mean, Jarvis and Teravainen have both been uh, a little sleepy. Uh, Sebastian, I've been a little sporadic, but Natchez has been, and I I was glad that you called him candid because I agree. I think Natchez has a very grounded sense of who he is, and he also, I remember after the game in Philadelphia, which he, they should have just handed him a number two after the game and said, these two points belong to you because he scores the goal to just get him into overtime and then he makes the play that really made the Burns goal possible. Uh, but he said after the game in the interview, he's like, yeah, it's just eight games. I mean, I got to keep doing this. So yeah. he he understands uh, where everything sits. All right, to the standings. And by the way, I can't believe Boston is 9-1. I, I, I thought I thought that they were going to be like until January before Boston was whole. They're all back, 
and they seem like the same team to me. All right, so I know your piece on uh, on your website, Burnside on Hockey, uh, is about Toronto today. What's going on there? Adam Golden studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. I was on your website, and I love the term financial termites because there are always things eating at your money that you can't see. So you don't want financial termites. Termites in the financial world are risk, fees, unnecessary commissions. All the bad things that we see and we hear about on TV are happening many times inside your portfolio you don't see. So you need a financial exterminator. Well, for the next 10 of you to call, we'll put together for you your very own total retirement plan at no cost. Call 888-843-843. 0013 or text Adam to 600 Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Well, you know, and having covered the lease for a couple of years back in the Pat Quinn days, I, I always love, I love the, uh, I, I love a good Toronto tire fire, right? I mean, there's no place uh, in hockey that, you know, sort of eats its own, like the Toronto fans and media do. There's, you know, the the pendulum swings so dramatically in that uh, marketplace. It's great, right? I mean, it's a great thing. Now, they're four, four, and two. It's not like they're zero and nine, right? right? You know, like they're four, four, and two. But I think the real, you know, it's a it's a legitimate thing to ask about this Toronto team. You know, for a variety of reasons. You know. Uh, where are you at? It, right. It's it's not just the records. The fact that they have lost to some of the worst teams in the NHL, they do look like a team that's a bit aimless. Um, you know the goaltending situation. This is the third year in a row um, where I think the goaltending plan looks, you know, questionable at best and disastrous at worst. Um, the defense isn't very good. They just aren't very good right now. Now, the same thing happened last year, right? They had got off to a very slow start, same kind of angst, um, and then turned in 115 points, fourth best in the NHL. So um, I think the bigger question, though, is there's so much riding on this season for Toronto. I haven't won a playoff round since 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone acknowledges that, you know, Sheldon Keith, the head coach, definitely cannot survive a one-and-done and, you know, haven't helped them if they miss the playoffs. I don't think right. that's going to happen. But if they're one and done again, Sheldon Keefe has to go. I think probably Kyle Dubas, the GM, has to go. Brendan Shanahan, at some point, the you know, where does the, you know, who pays the piper right. at the president level, right? I mean, this is his team. He's built it. He made the decision to move on from Lou Lamorello. He's, you know, was involved with the firing of Mike Babcock. So there's so much pressure on this team, not, not just to be good, but to prove something and, and they haven't done any of that yet. And then for me, the better part of this is waiting in the wings. You know, one of the best coaches of his generation, <clears throat> a surefire hall of famer, two time Jack Adams winner, Stanley cup champion, Barry Trotz, a very nice folk a week and a half or so ago. Of course he was fired by the Islanders right. in the off season. Doesn't have to do anything unless he wants to, but he does, he's not done with the game and he, he could, he could have coached now. Sure. Um, didn't have a right fit. He spent a lot of time with his family, but he would like, if he's going to coach, he's going to coach a team with a legitimate shot at a deep playoff run. And he's already, you know, we talked about how interesting it would be um, to coach an original 16. Well, the Leafs are both those <laughs> things. So I don't think, I don't think this is imminent necessarily, but I think it's a legitimate thing to ask if you are Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan, have we, do we believe in this plan still? And if the plan is that Sheldon Keefe gets you over the hump and leads you on a big playoff run, 
first in, since well, you know first under this um, you know this regime, if you will, yeah. of Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner, and all the rest of them, then then that's fine. Then you ride this out. But if you have doubts, then this is the time to act because you can't. If you don't believe anymore, then you have to do what you can to change that. And I think that's the fascinating part about where these Leafs are at. They're a good team. They're going to be in the playoffs. Um, But there are some serious questions that need to be asked about where they're at right now. And they're they're being asked in Toronto. I can't wait for tonight. I know the Flyers are coming off a back-to-back and, you know, lost in the – Overtime, I believe, to the uh, Rangers in a great mm-hmm. game. But so Carter Hart probably won't play tonight. But man, if the Flyers manage a win against the Leafs tonight, or oh, a completely you know, haven't been de- there, I don't mind a little chaos. In they're front. a completely depleted Flyers team. I just saw them on Saturday. I'm like, who are these guys? Uh, yeah. But uh, they they played. They play a certain style, which might really bother the Leafs. Final thing, by the way, if you go to Overtime Scott B on Twitter. Uh, you can get all the links to the stories, and you can uh, be a subscriber uh, to Scott's website, as I am. All right, so uh, real real quick about this, because I don't know that Toronto is going to make the playoffs. It is a very competitive division, and I think that Buffalo might be good. We're going to see Buffalo. Carolina plays t- uh, Tampa tomorrow, then home against Buffalo on Friday, and then Toronto comes in on Sunday. I, I'm shaky on Buffalo's goaltending. But that team in front of the goaltender might be good. Rasmus Dahlin looks like he's coming into his own, at least as an offensive player. But they got a ton of firepower up front. You know, Buffalo. You know, Buffalo is interesting. I'm I'm interested in both New Jersey and Buffalo, right? And because I'm like you at the beginning of the season, you sort of look at the Eastern Conference standings and you think, okay, well maybe. You know, maybe Boston does fall out of the, <laughs> the the picture, and then who? You know, which of these emerging teams could jump forward? Um, and, and the Devils got off to a, not a great start, and lots of pressure on Lindy Ruff there. Uh, but I love the job that Tom Fitzgerald has done in building that team, and they are starting to cook. And Jack Hughes is the real deal. Yep. Nico Heischer, people don't get how good he is. I'm with you on Buffalo. Uh, I'm a huge Don Granado fan. Uh, I love the idea, you know, Kyle Ocposa wearing the C and, you know, it's that marketplace deserves some good hockey news. Um, you know, and Eric Comrie, I, I, I don't know about the goaltending, I'm with you, um, but boy, it would be great if they stayed in the hunt. Um, and they are, they, they can make things difficult for whether it's the Leafs, Pittsburgh, I, you mentioned Boston. I watched that game last night, and Pittsburgh looks like they have things well well in hand, end up losing 6-5, and over time they're winless in five now. Um, you know, so there's there. I think there will be, you know, there, there's going to be opportunities for those teams no that, that believe they can make a step forward. I, I'm curious about Buffalo and New Jersey, uh, for, and both those markets truly deserve some good news late in the season. They, you know, it would be nice if both of them were contemplating buying at the trading deadline as opposed to selling off assets, which both teams have done now for years and years. Shockingly. Imagine the Devils and the Sabres be, being buyers in February. Uh, at Overtime, Scott B. on Twitter. Uh, check out the website. I appreciate your time, sir. I'll see you at the rink soon. Hope. Look forward to it. And, uh, call anytime, Adam. Always happy to chat. You got it, Scott. I appreciate your time. 
Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. 